Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we l- relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. The co-host here is Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I mean, I'm excellent, because I think for the first time, we're actually going to talk to somebody that's even more impressive than you. I mean, you know, you're, you're not bad, right? You got a very well-selling book. You know, you got, you've done some things in right, your life. Right. But uh, today, we're going to talk to a member of Congress who is not just a member of Congress, He's a legit badass. Yeah, it, well, it's funny. Here's the thing. There's that old Teddy Roosevelt line about, you know, the people that chirp and talk from the sidelines and people actually in the, the arena. Um, I'm probably one of the guys chirping on the sidelines because I write about this stuff. But joining us is somebody who's very much in the arena, uh, and that's Congressman Mike Garcia. He's a Republican from California. Uh, his background is very impressive uh, as you said he's a, a former fa-18 fighter pilot he flew 30 combat missions over iraq uh, and we want to have him on the talk particularly about the issue of china because he's the co-chair of the china task force so congressman garcia thanks so much for joining us we're glad you're here hey good morning peter and eric uh, thanks for having me uh, definitely not a badass, just someone who, uh, you know, loves the country and uh, respects uh, everything that you guys provide and help uh, help us in the arena here get smarter on these issues. Well, thank you. Um, so t- China is an interesting topic. You are very much engaged on it. I certainly think it's important. I've written about it. Eric and I have yeah. both done work on it. Um, you're the co-chair of the China Task Force. Tell us why China is so important to you. I mean, not to be cynical, but but most people, when they look at their congressman or elected official, they look at committee assignments or they look at issues that they're passionate about and they think, okay, well, this has something to do with getting something for his constituents or this has something to do with you know helping out certain donors china is certainly not one of those subjects so why are you so passionate about it and why is it so important yeah i think the reason is is because the, the average american is not treating uh china as the threat that it, that it is it truly is an existential threat and whether whether we recognize it or not we're, we're already at war with china and 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 so far at least in the last call it 10 years it's been a 
very lopsided war, and it's one where we, we as Americans are the primary victims. Uh, and so we do need to pay more attention to this. And, and, and as a legislator and as someone who's not only served in the military, but now in the halls of Congress and have taken an oath since the age of 18 to support and defend the Constitution and the security and defense of our beautiful nation, you can't uh, you know, only focus on all of the other committees and jobs that we have while the existential threat that that 800 pound gorilla in the room uh, is frankly not being dealt with and, and in many ways is being ignored by by many of the uh, the bureaucrats and elected officials. So uh, this is something that I've taken on. Uh, you know, Mike Gallagher will be the new chair of the uh, China task force. Uh, we'll be leading our efforts. And uh, what we're doing in this uh, in this China task force in the House is uh, is very important. This is the strategy, but also and more importantly, the tactics and the legislative measures that we can take to to hopefully uh, start bolstering the defense against China. Well, let's talk tactics and let's talk threat because you said it's a war, right? And you know, and you've served in the military. You've flown uh, combat missions in war, so you certainly don't use that term lightly. What is it about China that you think presents the most grave threat? And then what's one thing you think your China task force might be able to do that can offer the most protection from that threat? Yeah, it's uh, so multifaceted, Eric. It's hard to say there's one that is the most, but I think the one that's manifesting itself right now, the most clear and present danger, if you will, is this uh, fentanyl crisis coming through our southern border. Uh, two years ago, I would have said it was COVID, you know, a virus that was actually developed in a Wuhan Institute uh, uh, in China, released. Uh, we're getting now information from the intelligence communities and various sources that uh, this virus was indeed being developed as a biological weapon. Uh, they may not have released it on purpose, but it, but it ultimately did get released and caused the death of millions of uh, people to include uh, millions of Americans uh, nation, or globally. Uh, and so now we're seeing the second wave of death come in the form of this fentanyl crisis. It's it's a it's a byproduct of our open southern borders, obviously, which is a direct result of this administration's uh, policies on the southern border. But the fundamental building blocks and the uh, the, the, the the source uh, material for fentanyl is coming out of China. And so right now we are literally realizing a scenario where we are losing what one hundred thousand, one hundred fifty thousand Americans every year. Uh, due to fentanyl uh, overdoses, this is about a 1,200% increase uh, versus maybe, what, three or four years ago. So this is not trivial. This is leading to the deaths of our kids. It's it's not overdose. These are poisonings, and, and it's, uh, you know, the source of these poisons uh, come from China through our southern border. Uh, but that's, that, that's one facet. The other facets are, you know, as a country, we're losing roughly four to $600 billion a year in intellectual property theft. Uh, as a country, uh, we are seeing uh, the Chinese Communist Party and, and its sort of proxies come over uh, to buy our farmland, to invest in our businesses, um, to partner with our, our businesses in mainland China, only to steal uh, our, our property, what, what we reference as uh, rob, replicate and replace, where, where a joint venture with a Chinese affiliate in mainland China uh, will effectively partner with an American country, get 51% control, uh, promise access to you know this massive market in, in China, uh, and then slowly bleed them to, to death by by robbing their intellectual property, their blueprints, uh, their technology, replicating it with a new widget uh, that's at a lower cost, 
and then replacing them in that same market that they promised the American industry partners. So this is this is happening real time again, uh, right in front of us. And then uh, obviously the other major facet of of this war, if you will, is the fact that we're already so far behind in several domains. Um, we used to refer to Russia and China as near peer threats, and and I'm not so worried about Russia. Russia is is something that we can control. And I think even the, you know, the Ukrainians are demonstrating just how weak Russian military forces are. But uh, we we should not be considering China to be a near peer threat anymore. They are, in fact, a peer threat. And in, and in some domains, they are outpacing us. And, and in these domains, the, this weakness that we have is, uh, uh, you know, potentially uh, going to change the, the, the outcome of any kinetic war that we have with them. Well, Congressman, I'm certainly not a China expert, um, and my interest in this really is on the lack of a response in Washington. I mean, this is what got me excited in, in writing the book Red Handed, and because I think you're right. I mean, it, there's so much blatant evidence um, that China is a bad actor. They're competing with us. They want to surpass us. Uh, you've got fentanyl. You've got COVID. You've got the intellectual property theft you talk about, and yet no real action in official Washington. I mean, COVID happened, started happening in early 2020. We have not had, to my understanding, a single hearing in the House of Representatives on the origins of this virus that has killed more than a million people. There's really been nothing the last few years on fentanyl and China's role in fentanyl. Why do you, what do you see among your colleagues? I mean, certainly I wrote about those that seem to be for sale or at least for rent by Beijing, but certainly there's got to be other explanations too. Are people just afraid? Do they not understand it? Why is there so little inaction on Capitol Hill and in Washington in general? Well, I think it's a, it's a little bit of all of those reasons. And thank you for writing that book. What you what you state in the book is a, is a you know a, a nomenclature I now use, which is small words and big help. Uh, when you're when you're tweeting something that looks like hey you're t- you're going to be tough on China, but in the same uh, breath uh, over a span of three years in the wake of COVID, not having a single hearing on COVID, the origins of it, or the accountability of China on COVID. That is that is big help, followed by very small words on social media. Uh, it's what I also call, you know, uh, 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 big carrots and little sticks. And the bottom line is, is that the politicians are either in bed and enabling uh, China in some fashion. They either have some business connection or there's something in their district that they they feel they need to protect uh, relative to the the Chinese uh, businesses or CCP businesses, uh, or they they don't believe that the China problem is as big as a problem as it is in actuality, uh, or they they just don't care, right? And so that the the whole focus now needs to be to get everyone to care, to get everyone to understand and believe that it is a problem, and to root out the people that are in fact in bed with these folks. And you know, anyone that comes up to me and says, "Mike, is it really this bad?" I do encourage them to read Red Handed because you outline very explicitly the links of of uh, not only the president but also several members of Congress, business leaders. Uh, back to China. And so what can we do? Well, we, we need to be more aggressive, obviously. Uh, but I personally think we need to be pulling the same levers that we pulled against Russia in the wake of their invasion of Ukraine and leading up to that invasion of Ukraine. I think we need to be pulling many of the same levers that we uh, pulled against Russia uh, in, instead against now China. And, and you ask, if is there substantiation for that? Is there substantiation for meaningful boycott, divestment, and sanctions packages. And I would 
I would say there certainly is, given the amount of uh, death and havoc that they've imparted, the, the intellectual property theft, uh, the incursions against Taiwan. Um, so I think Congress and, and the executive branch need to bring forward uh, uh, meaningful boycott, divestment and sanction packages against China and the CCP. I think we need to figure out how to disentangle ourselves uh, from a corporate level and, and make it so that companies uh, are slowing down or, or, or if, they, if need be, being prevented from investing in mainland China in order to protect our interests. Uh, we need to actually control items a little bit and, and update the export list so that, that there is a blacklist. Uh, the, uh, you know, a blacklist of companies should, should be roughly 6,000 entities right now. And uh, last time I checked, we only had about 59 businesses that were on this blacklist uh, uh, relative to China. Uh, and we need to stop investing in, in the Chinese marketplace. A lot of our pensions, some of the government programs, the government-funded pension programs are actually still investing uh, in the Chinese stock market and Chinese companies, which, which by definition flow directly to the CCP government. Um, and so there's, there's a whole layer of things that we could be doing. And, and what's kind of cool about this China task force is uh, we, we've actually written a, a book. It's roughly, you know, 80 pages. And f- for every facet of this, of this fight, whether it's commerce, whether it's defense, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, uh, we have several pages of recommendations that uh, not only Congress, but also the executive branch should be implementing to protect ourselves. So, uh, you know, under Trump, we had the strategy. We had a, a president that recognized China as a threat, but we didn't have the tactics below that. We didn't have the legislative levers. We didn't have the, the exactly what are we going to do in response to it. Now we have the tactics and we have this 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 very exhaustive and comprehensive binder of recommendations but we don't have a president that that understands the strategy relative to China and or flat out, in my opinion, doesn't want to deal with China. So um, you do need the executive branch to participate in this and you do need the, the leadership in the House as well as the Senate to, to recognize the threat. And once they do that, then we have, uh, you know, at our disposal, uh, hundreds of legislative measures to to help inoculate ourselves against this threat. Talking to Congressman Mike Garcia, he's the co-chair of the China Task Force, and we're talking about some of the threats that China poses to the country and things that we might be able to do from a legislative standpoint or public policy standpoint to try to protect ourselves from the China threat. I think the Russia comparison, Congressman, is really good because, as you noted, when they became a bad bad actor more publicly, uh, no problems. We put in sanctions. We pulled some of the levers, as you noted. Is the reason why we're hesitant to do that against China, I guess I'll just ask you clearly, is it more because of China's strategy of elite capture? Is it more about the personal financial relationships in terms of America's elite with China? Or do you think it's more that corporate entanglement that you referenced previously? Well, I think it's both, Eric. I think, you know, you can't undervalue or underestimate the implications of completely disentangling from a corporate perspective or from just an enabling perspective. Um, You got to remember that China... Uh, you know, depending on the, the quarter owns anywhere from uh, 25% to a third of our nation's debt. Uh, so these the implications of what we're talking about are here are very serious. And, and, and obviously, if it's done overnight, uh, you could you run the risk of completely imploding our own economy. But uh, if we start shaping the paradigms and we start making sure that we're weaning ourselves off of this supply chain dependency that we have on China uh, and start looking at alternate sources for supplies and, and manufacturing countries like India uh, to, to make sure that we're not just completely 100% dependent on, on uh, China for our goods. Uh, 
um, but but across all domains, of course. So I think it's all of the above, and I think it's uh, you know something that is 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 going to take some time, but we've got to start now. We've got to, and it's got to start in, in the boardrooms of corporations as well, not just in the halls of Congress. We're talking to Congressman Mike Garcia. He's the co-chairman of the China Task Force in Congress. Uh, something you said uh, earlier um, in one of your reports, uh, Congressman, you said we can't just compete with China. We must surpass China. Uh, and what I love about this is it brings back the spirit of another uh, California political figure, and that's Ronald Reagan, who during the heart of the Cold War uh, said that we need to compete with the Soviet Union as if we intend to win, not win a war, but win peacefully by playing to our strengths and exploiting the weaknesses of our adversary. Today, that's China. Before that was the Soviet Union. But one of the key elements, I think, of what Reagan did was he he recognized the fact that there was a different difference between the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and the Russian people. And today, I think we that's need right. to acknowledge there's a huge difference between the Chinese people and this small clique that runs China, which is the Chinese Communist Party. So I think you're exactly right. We need to have this sort of economic disengagement. But I think we also need to more forcefully speak to the fact that this is an oppressive, brutal regime. And we need to start making a stark difference between the Chinese people, who frankly are the biggest victims of this yep. government, of this regime, and the government, and let that competition of ideas uh, take full fruit. Because if that occurs, that's a competition I think we win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And no one knows just how, uh, you know, toxic and, and frankly, tyrannical and brutal this the CCP government is than the Chinese uh, citizens themselves. Right. They just were protesting a couple of weeks ago with the covid lockdowns that are still in place. Uh, and all of a sudden those those folks just disappeared. You're not hearing about it in the news anymore. Uh, we've got the Uyghur genocide, which is probably the worst genocide since uh, World War Two and the Holocaust. And uh, again, these are these are Chinese citizens uh, literally dying at the hands of their own government. So, yes, uh, we, I think that's an important distinction. We're not talking about tens of thousands of bureaucrats uh, like the United States, uh, you know, that runs uh, the CCP. We're, we're talking about maybe a few dozen at most. And so these are the folks we need to be targeting with sanctions uh, and economic, uh, you, you know, boycott, divestment sanctions packages. Um uh, and, I, and I'll also say this, right? Competing means more than just uh, developing on our end. It means treating them the way they're treating us. And 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 I'm I'm actually a supporter of reciprocal trade agreements, where if a Chinese company wants to come to the United States and do business here, that's fine. But we get to do to them what they do to us. Uh, we get to make all of the decision. We get the intellectual property associated with any business adventure. We get the final say in how things. Uh, are going to be, uh, uh, you know, metered out, funded, and and what technologies are going to be developed and employed, uh, and in the end, we own it all, not not the not the Chinese uh, business or the Chinese government. Um, when we do the same to them uh, that they do to us, uh, you'll start seeing different behavior patterns, and you'll start seeing us actually surpass surpass them, and not just trying to compete. But it does require the president. You know, this this president, as well as all of his cabinet, have basically said, "Hey, we welcome competition," and. Uh, that's okay. We should welcome competition, but but let's not plan to lose, and let's make sure that we're putting in all of the resources and strategies and tactics below those resources uh, to make sure that we are actually prevailing and and being in a position of strength and not weakness. Well, speaking of the president, uh, you know, you are talking to Peter Schweitzer, who's written three books now. 
about Hunter Biden, and obviously Hunter Biden has business relationships in China. So I guess I'll just ask you, how big of a deal is that? And do you think that Hunter Biden's business relationships in China impact the Biden administration's willingness to take a tough attack? And partly why we're asking is, you know, we, we might like to do a fourth book on this. It's kind of essential <laughs> to the business model. Well, it's not done yet. You know, like we, we kind of need. Oh, no, not another We'd one. actually like to see Hunter's Chinese footprint grow a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Well, I think I think the footprint is bigger than we all realize. So, you know, the fourth book may just be it truing up to the reality of just how bad it is. Uh, but hopefully the, the fourth book also includes the accountability piece. Right. And I, I couldn't literally I couldn't care less about Hunter Biden himself. But but he is the son of a president. Um, and there, there are financial dealings with what is now our our biggest threat and and with, a, you know, the son of a, a sitting president. Uh, and that's that's staggering. And so. I think in this uh, next session, when you see us take the House uh, majority uh, here in, in a couple of weeks, uh, this is going to be one of the priority investigations. Um, what what was the uh, role of uh, the vice president at the time, now now President Biden? Uh, what did he know? What are the implications? Is he compromised? And that's ultimately the, the major question. Uh, and who around them also may be compromised in this in this endeavor. And that's uh, that's a that is a significant national security problem. Uh, that we as Americans uh, deserve to know the answer to. And, and I couldn't care less about Twitter or Facebook or any of these social media platforms, but I do want to know about federal agencies. I do want to know what the FBI knows and what the CIA knows and what, what they have done or not done in response to this knowledge. And uh, these are all the, the onions that we need to start peeling here when we get the majority back. And they've had the luxury of being protected. Um, uh, and that, that uh, security blanket of protection needs to be pulled back and when we get the majority. Well, we've been talking to uh, Congressman uh, Mike Garcia from California. Uh, we appreciate his public service. He is the co-chair of the China Task Force, doing a lot of other things in Congress. If you look at his bio, you'll realize this guy had a really great life, and he decided to throw himself into the arena of public service, and we're very glad uh, that he did. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate all the work you're doing on Capitol Hill, uh, and please uh, let us know how we can help. Thank you, guys. appreciate it. And uh, you, you continue to, to, to get the information out there. That's how you can help uh, informing and educating American citizens, especially on this China threat is uh, very important. And it's an honor to continue to serve this beautiful country. And uh, just know that there are good guys still out there in Congress uh, and, and we're doing it for the right reasons and uh, hopefully getting to the right results here very shortly. So uh, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time here, Peter and Eric, on this one. Thank you, Congressman, for joining us. Well, this has been another episode of The Drill Down. Uh, you can find uh, our other episodes at thedrilldown.com or other uh, locations for fine podcasts. Uh, until next time, thanks so much for joining us.